Welcome everybody to the B&B Unplugging Central Coast Rugby Podcast. Each week, Berner and Barthy will cover a range of topics and bring you the latest news from the Central Coast Rugby Competition. Good chat, good footy, good fun. Take it away, boys. Thanks, Tomo. Welcome back for another episode in lockdown. Barthy, you there? I am here, mate. I'm here for episode three, lockdown edition. Mate, uh, well, just doing what we're all doing. Trying to abide by the rules, staying at home. Yeah, it's, How you uh, been going up there, mate? Yeah, been going well. Been going well at the at B&B Studios. Um, living the high life yeah. up here as, as always. Um, yeah, yeah always shines a little bit. Sun always shines a little bit brighter in the B&B studios, doesn't it? <laughs> it feels that way. <laughs> um, yeah, mate, obviously been strange. Uh, t- cases aren't going down anytime soon. It doesn't look like yeah. anyway, so um, not too good for community sport. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll do an episode anyway, and we'll, um, there's a couple of people that have written a f- few things in on the socials that they want us to cover <laughs> off and, and also elaborate on that we uh, that we touched on last week, and they, they had a few points they wanted to raise, so that's some um, good stuff to obviously cover off on the on this week's episode as well. Mate, I have absolutely no doubt, Berner, with your ability and my good looks, we could uh, we could push out another crappy episode. I think 100% we can. Um, <laughs> the other issue as well, we, I think we – well, you received a formal warning from Gus and the team at Aaron at Podiatry. Um, I did, I did. Obviously, with it no – com- outrage. Yeah, uh, with no competition happening, there's been no Aaron at Podiatry results of the round. Um, so we no. just want to obviously keep Gus on board and keep Gus paying the bills he was, here. Gus, Gus and the team from Aaron Podiatry were calling for a retraction of all beer coasters and stickers. He wanted me to go searching every car on the Central Coast, start peeling them back off, and he wants them sent back to his to his uh, company. But mate, I've assured him that somehow we could uh, we could fit the the team, and he could still get some great value for money for his sponsorship, like he has. So, Bernard, what are we going to bring to the listeners? Thanks to Gus and the team at Aaron Podiatry. <laughs> well, thanks to Gus and the team at Aaron Podiatry. Um, I think what we might do next is we might give a bit of an update on the Colts competition. So, obviously, we are uh, well, not an update, but uh, share some thoughts that, that the the listeners had. Uh, we spoke in length about it and posed all the problems in the world and no solutions last week. Well, um, well how, how about mate? How about we'll frame it up and I'll give you how I will structure the competition. Being uh, if if how how I think the structure of the competition could be from twenty twenty two onwards. All right, go for it. Wonder do it that way. Thanks to Gus and the team at Aaron Vidal. <laughs> Huge <laughs> thanks to Gus. It was probably it was Gus's idea actually. This yeah, yeah it was it was actually yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, well on the back on the back of the under nineteen competition and, and what we sort of spoke about, I might be I might be repeating myself a little bit from last week's podcast, but I've just given a little bit more thought and. and um, uh, this is how I'd structure the competition as a premier competition, and that premier competition is premier one, premier two women. That's it. Now, to be in that competition, you need to have 40 registered male players, and you need to have 15 registered female players. Uh, and that's, well, let's say the cutoff date might be January 31. And then with that, you would need to show you know, X amount of dollars you'd have in the bank, say, 30, 30 grand, I would say, would be an absolutely streamlined budget you'd run from uh, fielding three teams when you consider all the affiliation fees and council uh, rent and all that stuff you've got to do. So I would be looking to make sure that all clubs are financially viable, both um, for all those the premier teams, and I will be also ensuring that they are viable with the player registration. Got a problem with that, Werner? No, nothing so far. Interested to see where it develops, right. though. 
Okay, so from there, that 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 locked up. The premier competition is exactly what it should be. It's the premier competition of the Central Coast, and it is the most important in regards to it's the showpiece, if you will, of of the competition. And we want quality, not quantity. We want to showcase good quality rugby week in, week out, like we're doing now, and not diluting the rugby just by just trying to expand it for the sake of expanding it. So that's that's what I'd be doing in regards to having a premier competition to ensure that we that we maintain that that quality or an increasing of the quality. So that brings us to the President's Cup competition. That's a standalone competition. Uh, that's how it's structured and designed this year, and well, since it's since its inception as President's Cup. Uh, yeah, with, where possible, we would follow the Premier competition, but it wouldn't be a guarantee. The President's Cup would be designed for you know your bay. Uh, the resurgence or the rebirthing of Gosford, if you will, and any other club that wants to register uh, to, to to become a registered rugby club in the pre- in the President's Cup, you would have things like um, say you know five to ten grand in the bank, you know twenty registered players. Now, if you were looking to register a, a President's Cup side, then yeah, maybe let's say eight players from the Premier Competition could be accredited to that uh, registration of, of players. That would then lead us to another standalone competition being in the under-19s or the Colts. Now, the reason why I'd have that as standalone competition is that will allow for clubs like the Bay, uh, if Gosford gets off its feet again or gets on its feet again, that allows them to actually develop an under-19s club as well. So you can have a, you can have a registered rugby club that only fields President's Cup and a 19s team. Now, there could be a reason for that, and that reason could be they're trying to develop a club to apply for entry into the Premier Competition. What that then allows, let's just say, Woi have an influx and they've got a really good junior program up and running, and they want to field two sides, then why can't they field two under-19s teams? There should be no reason. If you've got clubs who are really being proactive in developing players, then I see no reason why we should restrict them to just one side. Uh, if they're developing the players to bring in a stronger premier competition, then why not? So would you have them all thought? playing on the? Would you have more playing on the same day? So you, so you're going to have just say, Warrior uh, plays terrible. You're going to have premier one plays, then sorry, premier two plays, women's play, and then you got premier one that plays. So that that the, would be so the premier competition would yep. be the only guaranteed uh, competition versus the club. And then so what, around that, you're going, would you play the Colts on the Saturday? Yes, absolutely, yes. And then where so, possible, so you, you're you're establishing the Premier competition and then where possible, you're basically saying, okay, well, this makes sense for Woi to play Terrigal at this um, stage or it doesn't actually correct. make sense and Woi can follow Woi to the Haven, but, um, you know, Gosford's Colts are going to go play that game because that makes sense from a draw perspective. That's right. And my, my priority there would be the Premier competition Fitting the 19 uh, after that, and then uh, yeah, how how does that marry in with the President's Cup and suit clubs like you know um, your your one team clubs, yeah, like the Bay, yeah, that yeah. That, that, that 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 is an example. Now, yeah, they're, they're just a few thoughts of how 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 you could potentially structure it. Yeah, the minimum requirements for the President's Cup and the Colts, for example, would, yeah, you have to be a registered rugby club. There's, there's no question about that. And then you'd, you'd look at sort of player numbers and, and financial viability. But I, I, I think it's important that we 
I think it's important that we give the options for any club to develop a team. And we shouldn't just look and wait for the premier, com- premier clubs to do all the heavy lifting in regards to bringing players on board and developing players and that sort of thing. So do you think... Um, so for, for a team or for a club like the Bay, um, yep. I suppose them moving forward, is is that too big of a stretch though from a third grade side? So you're saying team like the Bay has to then develop yep. a 19s and then yep. do you think that's too big of a jump though to go from thirds and 19s to then all of a sudden you've got to have a women's team? Because you, your thirds and your 19s, let's just say you, you recruit well and you, know, you, you start playing well and you get some numbers. You can get yep. those forty players, but then getting the what did you say the number was twenty? You said for the women, or, or did yeah, you say it was yeah. twenty? Yeah, yeah. I think it said fifteen. But anyway, yeah, fifteen for the women. Yep. I'm just saying that's too big of a jump. But in saying that, it's too big of a it's a big jump anyway. When you're starting out a club, you got to recruit, and obviously, it's it's hard to well, recruit the those huge fact, numbers in in one big club so, anyway. Regardless. So, but hang on. So let's let's <clears> let's look at my focus. Will always. Well, I think the focus should always be on quality. Yeah. If you're in the premier competition, you've got to be producing or putting out there some sort of quality. We can't just open it up because we want a certain club or a certain team or a certain region just to be represented. And we're going beyond that. We're, we're, I think we need to be establishing ourselves as a quality region for rugby. And so we'll just harp on the bay because they're, they're the easiest example. Um. The Bay come into some really good management and some really good sponsorship of money. Well, if, if any any good club should have a five-year plan, and that five-year plan or three-year plan, a business structure, whatever the case may be, that may be to, in 2028 or 2023, 2025, whatever the year, that they are then going to target promotion or application into the premier competition. So that may mean we have a President's Cup next year and as the Bay Vikings, we aim to put in a President's Cup and it's 19 the year after that. And in 2023 or whatever year I'm up to, we go, we, we, we put two President's Cup sides in and another 19 team in. Yeah. And then once we do that, we've established with money's in the bank, we're recruiting the women and we, we, we look at how we can, um, we can get those women on board. We've turned around then and we've developed a player base that are going to be part of something that allows an application to get into the premier competition. Yeah, and I think if you got yeah, and, and I, I what, also what, think you got a competition around now that would actually support something like that. Like the players, just say if you had some girls that are keen currently that might play for the Bay, but you know obviously they don't have a team running like that. I think you've yeah. the way that the the women's competition is um, is running at the moment that. You know, like we how we got Wasford playing together in a sense that you yeah. could get players that go and play for, um, you know, go play for Terrigal or, or Lakes, you know, around that sort of area, and then they mm. would shift and they would go to the bay. So I, I and they and the the I suppose the culture of that competition would be happy with it because those girls just want to see yeah. the competition grow. It's not really about and we saw that with the reps and we see that after the game they're obviously they're wanting to grow the competition. So it's not just about no you're at Terrigal now you stay with Terrigal or you stay at Lakes or whatever. Um, if that was a plan that someone like the Bay had. Um, I reckon that the the girls of the competition would actually accommodate it. And there, there, there could be development opportunities, um, you know, like in the sevens comp and, and the tens comp that the Central Coast run. You know, they, they may accept, you know, a, a bay entry in, even though they don't have enough to sustain a size for the entire year. I just I just think there are, I don't know, 
I'm not by any stretch of the moon saying I have all the answers at all, but I just think there are some options, some structural reconsiderations that we need to consider to develop the game and the 19th uh, competition like we spoke about before. But I'm really nervous, Bernard, that in a pursuit to try and look like we're growing the game, we're going to dilute it by just chucking clubs in there and then we're going to turn around this competition if anything, this year proves this has been the best competition year of rugby that I can remember in a long, 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 long time. Yeah, I agree. And we have eight clubs. The team that's coming last, with the exception of one or two blowouts, have been competitive in every single game. And when I say a couple of blowouts, I'm talking by 30 or 40 points. It wasn't that long ago that we're getting teams getting built by 50, 60, 70 points. And we have two or three teams getting built by 50, 60, 70 points. Mate, that's not developing the game, and it's not developing the players around them either. No, I mean, it, and it, oh, take, I, it takes strong people to, um, you know, you look at uh, North Lakes, you know, uh, in the early 2000s, or sorry, late 2000s, when they were just getting pumped, pumped every single week, and they were still, Scotty Maroney, that was, you know, still rolling players out there just to play, to field it. Like, that's yeah. not enjoyable, just, you're basically playing touch footy the whole time, and it's yeah. not good for the yeah. competition either, because even the players that go to play there, they know it's going to be a cricket score. And then every Saturday yep. it rolls around. It's like, okay, we're just going to get through the day of rugby so we can get on the piss in the night. And you're, well, you're just copying an absolute, you know, uh, you're getting hammered. Whereas, you know, as you touched on, Warnerville, the team at the bottom of the table every week, um, they they still have a chance of winning every single game. Every game they go into, yeah. they're still like, well, we, we can actually win this game. They're just faltering at the end part, which is much better than walking into a Saturday going, all right, what's the score going to be today? That's right. Let's, let's look at the Wildcats as, as an example. I think, I think that's a really good example of a club that are going, yeah, they're meeting the requirements, X amount of dollars in the bank. They've got the registered players. They've got the women's. Now they need to, they want to, they want to become a, a, a more competitive Premier Rugby club. So in order to do that, they need to then develop a, an under-19s team. So they may, then, they may then sort of, you know, continue on with their senior program but then really put a focus on developing in a, in a 19 club. And, and being the drawing area that's so huge around there, yeah, they, they for example, just, I'm just absolutely spitballing here at the moment, but they, for example, might field their own team and then in combination with the Lakes, they might field a combined 19 team. Do you understand what I mean? A little yeah. bit like the Wasford and the women. Yeah. So they turn around and they put a real lot of, real lot of effort in the development of a, of a 19 and they turn around, they get you know, 30 players who are, 30, uh, who are keen to play, it could be an opportunity for them to, to keep those 30 players or those 25 players or whatever the case may be yeah. to help them develop and grow that, that, that club. I just... I, the, I, I, the answer is not the old structure. The old structure's dead. And we've seen too many clubs come and go and die on the vine by trying to stick to the old structure. And I think we need to cut third grade um, off and have the premier competition as the premier competition. The third, third grade, the Presidents Cup. I can hear, I can hear everyone blowing up already. Uh, who are listening to the podcast? <laughs> All the third graders. And the, <laughs> the third graders are still uh, the, the the Presidents Cup players are still an absolute important part of the rugby club. But what they are not, and like we cut, we discussed last time, they're not necessarily the reasons why. Club can't exist. Yeah, I agree. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
And it's, uh, I mean, because so, I'm, I'm still a big fan, as I said last what? week, of third grade playing at the start of the day, um, because I'm. Although the, although one of the issues was okay, we can't get off work early enough. You know well in advance, and you probably can get off work half an hour early. But a lot of uh, there's also a lot of blokes that do not work on a Saturday, and they're down there. They want to get the game over as early as they can because they want to rip into the beers, um, and they want to just yeah, you know so you're playing third grade to obviously have a run again with your mates, <clears throat> and you you want the day of rugby. That's what you're there for. You have that day of rugby and to get around. And um, I think that's a huge thing to sort of clap the 19s on if that's in the time slot after it or. Um, or whatever it will be, but I think there's obviously got to be a shift for to push these 19s through, and there's got to be absolutely. A, a sacrifice. I don't mind. I don't mind what you're saying. What do you think about um, instead of a 19? So this is something that was um, raised during the week. Instead of a 19s, what about a 20s? Me personally, I'm not a fan. Um, I don't see the need for a 20. You're playing grade rugby when you're in the 19s anyway. Yeah. So I. I so yeah, me personally, I don't see a need for an under twenties um, because, um, well, I, I, what what are you gaining? I'll read out what you're gaining. Hold on, <laughs> I've got, got it written here. <laughs> um, well, mate, I was in my third or fourth year of grade by the time I was twenty. Jesus, you playing with your sixteen or something? Yeah. Um, now, well, you think you were eighteen when you came into grade? Yeah. Yeah. When you're playing your third year of grade, and plenty of people come in when they're, when they're, you know, well, probably not too much anymore because of age restrictions. Yeah. But it's not unusual for someone to come in at sort of 17. By the time you're 20, you could have played three or four years of grade. Well, I think, yeah, I agree with you. But I also think the other thing is that if you've got a, a one reason why they play, why uh, kids want to stay around and play Colts and they don't move from Colts to grade is because the Colts are all playing with their mates. And so if you extend that for another year, that gives them another year in that rugby system before they have to go and play um, with, you know, the adults. So that's the other thing as well. So do you you give them another year? You're an adult at 20 years old. No. Yeah. Personally, no, I don't. I I, I hear what you're saying, but I I can't see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I... I, I mean, I don't with the Colts thing. I don't really care either way how it works. I just sort of want it to run. That's what I alluded to last week, and I'm not. Oh, yeah, I'm not opposed to. I know. I, <clears throat> I don't. I don't feel strong about it either way. I see the point of well, if you give them another year in a cult system, playing around with their mates, they get another year that's sort of used to. Um, because if they hit, you know, 19s, and and they might not be a, a good player, so, but they might be, you know, a good, a good club person, and they're not sort of um, ingrained Mate, in that culture. <laughs> I played with plenty of not good players in third grade, <laughs> <laughs> and they were forty years old, so it didn't matter their age. Yeah, you, um, but even you want your players well, to sort of go through and um and hopefully you, go into, into then, second grade straight after it. What you're then doing there, though, mate, is you're putting seventeen-year-old players potentially playing against twenty-year-old players. Yeah, that, I, that, I that, see that. that, but then I'm also like, you, yeah, and the same thing as what you alluded to before. Like you, you, that is an issue, I suppose, at that age. But you know, like you said. There's, you know, I was playing first grade at 17, so you can you yeah, can be a younger player playing against, you know, you're, grown men. You're 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 an exception. There, when I say you, like players like yourself, they're one or two in a club. Two or yeah. best, they're probably one in a club. Potentially, you're exposing an entire team of 17 year olds to an entire team of 20 year olds, and there's obviously, you know, how many parents are going to let that go by because they, you know, some of the kids are still. Anyway, I, I, yeah, I, 
I'll do it. I'm like you. I'll do anything if the competition gets up and running. But I can't. I don't see the advantages of a twenty. Yeah, and what about that's been, the and the other thing was brought up was the um the Friday night. So a couple of people said, you know, if we had it on a Friday night, it would allow all the cults to beat the one. Uh, well, the, one, the one venue or to you know just say if you had it at Wongara for example you got two ovals side by side and you play it all as like a you know a magic round sort of atmosphere but you know you've got the games and you play you know six games or whatever it's going to be in three yeah, time yeah. slots at one night everyone's there and that creates that culture what do you think about that a bit, bit, bit of a, a carnival style atmosphere yeah absolutely I, I, I'll go with that as well um, the, the, the Friday night competition has, has been around before and been sort of successful before in regards to sort of keeping teams sort of out there and keeping players out there. Um, ideally, I'd like to see it on a Saturday, um, but absolutely I'd support it on a Friday night if that's what the, um, if that's what was required to get it going. I think if I, I was don't a- know if, I don't know if saying we're having a Friday night competition is the way to get it going. It was, you know, you'd, there'd need to be some research in regards to, you know, the, the 17s as, they, as they're finishing and, and, you know, for lack of a better term, almost doing a little bit of a market research to see how many of players will make themselves available or, or would prefer it. Yeah, and also I think if I was 17 and I I suppose hadn't been, like if my idea of rugby was just playing with the 14 guys around me, I probably would rather that Friday night thing because it's uh it's you know at the end of the the, the school or working week at that age, um, and then you play it on the Friday night and then that leads into sort of a good weekend. But I don't think that does well for um, developing those cults to turn into grade players because you're not around your well, club. Like if I, I, I played, if, it, yeah. yeah. Well, I played, I played, I played in the Friday night competition when I was a young fella, um, and. Uh, it worked out perfectly for me. I was doing shift work at the time, so I, I would work weekends. I worked Saturdays and Sundays, but I wasn't working Friday nights for the most part. So it worked out beautifully for me. And on the weekends that I wasn't working, I could then back up on the Saturday and go play some grades. Um, and I know the thing I loved when I was uh, when I was playing was I loved when the senior players and the, would come and watch, uh, come and watch, you know, come watch us play on a Friday night. They'd have a few tins and, and support the younger younger boys playing on a Friday night. So I know, personally speaking, um, it's what got me into the game. I never would have I never would have played rugby if it was on a Saturday because I was working on Saturdays and couldn't do it. Yeah, but, true. Uh, my entry in, my entry into rugby was through unknown um, and the Friday night competition. I think that's, that that's the key thing there that's, though is that the people, the seniors from the club, have to get down there on the Friday night. Because if I just imagine representing, you know, Woi Woi or whatever, and just going there and just playing with my team, it's going to be hard to. I, you're just not going to get that emotional investment to want to push through, especially that key age when all your mates sort of move around. But if yeah, you've got those and, ten and, first graders down there, and here's exactly what we spoke about last week, and that's a cultural issue that every club can only deal with. That's got that's nothing to do with the actual Central Coast competition. That's an individual club culture that they've got to deal and, and enhance themselves. All right. Well, so that's so. Just recapping then, it's a long, long, uh, <laughs> long discussion of your structure. So you have two two different um, competitions. Is that what you want to call them? We have we have we have a, we have a premier competition. Yep. That's it. Right. So the premier competition. So for the likes of Warnervale, for example, the Wildcats. Yeah. That's all they field. Premier competition. Yep. Warnervale have no interest in fielding a third grade. So they don't even look at the President's Cup. So the Premier the Premier competition 
Premier One, Premier Two, and women. That's it. Yep. You have you have a President's Cup, which is a standalone. So your Bay, you've Gosford reestablished for them, um, and any other club that wants to field a President's Cup or a third grade side. You may have some clubs that want to field two third grade sides, and um, fill your boots, go for it. That's what they. That's what it's there for. Then we have an under nineteen competition, which is a little bit structured, similar to President's Cup, which is a floating competition in regards to you. You may play one week at um, twelve o'clock, and you may play before second grade, and the next week you might play at ten o'clock in the morning because you're playing somewhere else, or yeah. maybe not. Maybe not those variants of times. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you may go from playing against um, the Bays under nineteen team. To, and that's an early game because they've only got President's Cup. So the next week, you're playing against Terrigal's team and you're playing at the same venue as the Premier Club is playing at. Yeah, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I, uh, this is so, what we have to so, get so thinking the, about. Yeah, so the Colts team and the Colts games would float between President's Cup and the Premier 2 competition. Yep. That and you try sense. and work it. Yeah, you try and work it either way. I'll use I'll use the the Wildcats for example. You would try and work it so the Wildcat 19 could follow if the if the Wildcats didn't have a third grade or a Presidents Cup. You would try and work it so the 19 the Wildcat 19 could follow them and then stand up stand by for grade. Or yeah, you would try and look after the individual clubs, but you would you would structure it in such a way that anyone can put a 19's comp a 19's team in. Yep. Yeah, but that's and that's the thing that we've got to we've got to start thinking about this stuff now because we've got to develop it. Like even when I played, I there was three teams in that I played nineteens with. It was Woi Woi, Terrigal, and Evoca, and we yeah. we got flogged every single week. And then with that sort of finals format, <coughs> Terrigal played Evoca as the one and two. Um, Evoca once and went through the grand final, and then Terrigal played us. We won our first game of the year in the major semi <laughs> for the preliminary final. Yeah, How good. Been. How good. Won the first game of the year and then got to play at Blue Tongue. And then got belted by Vogue yeah. in the grand final. Um, How good is that? <laughs> so, like, just that's, you know, and that for a competition, <laughs> like for Terrigal, they just lose one game to us and then, the, you know, they're out of the grand final sort of yeah. thing. So, we've got to stop that. And obviously, that's not, you know, the best for development. Um, now, yeah. yeah. So, here, here's, here's the thing I want to make very, very clear. I'm not saying I've got the answers far from it. What I'm suggesting is one option. And what we can't, and what I know we cannot do is we cannot sit and have this conversation. At freaking January next year, yep. it's too late. I agree. Well, I think there's a bit of a think, think tank going on with CCRU as well now, which is great. Um, and obviously, uh, some no, people writing that. in. So the the conversation started, and that's what that's what you wanted to happen. Quality, not quantity, is what I want, Berner. All right, Bathy. Something I didn't bring up in the Colts discussion last week uh, was the Australian Rugby Union and the, the national side and what they're sort of doing and the frustrations that um, I suppose myself and everybody else have with the Australian Rugby Union and what they're doing for the development. And uh, I think younger people looking upwards and thinking, what am I aspiring to? Because they're looking at their national team and they're just watching them get flogged year in, year out. And on so I think they played at the primetime slot of Wednesday night last week. And it was relegated to nine gem because I'm pretty sure on uh, on actual channel nine was uh, Australian Ninja Warrior. So not only is our national side relegated to the dodgiest network, they're also um, relegated to the dodgiest part of that network. And 
a Wednesday night for all things. So um, obviously we're going really well. So I mean, my frustrations over time, we've kind of we've stooped to this sort of level of you know we're playing on tomorrow or Tuesday night um, this week as well. And then looking at the team sheet, and I touched on it uh, earlier in the year. There's no like household names or anything in this. Like kids aren't. Well, I can I can remember. Um, I sent you through a message saying, "Give me some try scorers. I was going to put a multi on them." He's gone. I don't know anyone in the side. <laughs> it's, it's just nuts. Like, I'm, I'm, this is the side, right? So if you follow Super Rugby, then, um, you know, and you watch it week in, week out, you'll obviously know some of these players. But, like, this, you think about these people that I'm reading out now being the premier people in Australia in, in that position. It's not saying they're bad players. They're obviously good players. They're playing for their country. But there's no attachment to them or you're not excited for that person to play in that position, especially the, the back line. Like, like James Super playing prop, gun. Alan Alatoa, gun as well. Brendan Payanga Mosa, uh, good hooker. Matt Phillip, Lucan Solakai Loto in the second row. Rob Valentini in plays six. Michael Hooper played seven. Harry Wilson played eight. So that's your back row. Uh, and then your back line, Jake Gordon at nine. Noah Lolasio at 5'8". Corabetti and Tom Wright on the wings. Matt Tamura at 12. Hunter Paisami at 13. And Tom Banks at 15. So if you didn't watch that game the other night, um, or you weren't that interested, or maybe you just sort of play rugby socially um, and, you know, you don't really care so much about the Wallabies. If I'm reading those players out to you, you're probably knowing a couple of them. Like, you would have heard of James Slipper. You obviously know Michael Hooper. Like, But there's not really any household names that you're growing up or you really care or you're invested into those players. And my frustration is that the Australian Rugby Union hasn't done enough to get the general public invested into these players and that I'm not looking at you know, the, in the player in whatever position, you know, is my preferred position and going, that's the person who I want to be. Like, I want to grow up and I want to play like Michael Hooper or, or they're watching Jake Gordon as a halfback going, that's who I want to be. You just don't have that anymore with that team. And the the players probably, you know, might have that skill set to do it, but they're almost like foreigners. Like, it's like when I was watching the French team, like, you kind of feel like you know those players more than, you know, the Wallabies players. You're just not associated with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, I, I, I think I think there's a variety of reasons too, um, and a variety of, of um, well, I guess examples of, of those reasons of why people have become disengaged with the with the, the sport at, at a super rugby level. Now, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to turn around and say, "Oh, results, results driven, results driven." No, well, yeah, I, I, I'm not that superficial. Results driven don't, yeah, results don't turn me away. Bloody boring rugby and overcoached rugby, and that—that's what turns me away. And yeah, that—that's—that's that's where you lose interest. I, I watch plenty of rugby. It doesn't always be—it's not always Australian rugby. And there's a reason for that is because we're so overcoached in certain aspects of the game. The spontaneity, the 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 the, the, the building of or towards an apex movement, it just doesn't exist. And yeah, we, we, we're just so method, uh, methodical is not the right word, mechanical and robotic in our approaches to certain aspects of the game. It's just not enjoyable to watch. I'd much rather watch um, some club rugby. Uh, New Zealand club rugby is a good example of enterprising, exciting rugby. The game the way it should be. The game that w- the way we used to play it. I think it, that's why, it's obviously... That's why I think there's a lot of disengagement. Yeah, no, I think it's hard. Like, we are... 
our number one competitor in New Zealand is obviously the team that just dominates everyone. So mo- a majority of our games are against either New Zealand or against, you know, if it's Super Rugby, against their franchise. And they're, it's obviously they're, they're freakish in their talents. Like it's, it comes right through that. It's, it, it's part of their culture. Rugby is part of their culture where rugby unions like just not even – I think I was on Fox Sports. I think I took a screenshot of it actually. Um I went on to Fox Sports the next morning to see what ranking the Wallabies win. Like, you know, it was an, it was an epic win. They came from behind. They, you know, uh, Lola CO kicked a penalty goal to win it at after two minutes or three minutes after the siren. So a win like that, an epic test match, um, you know, headline-wise, should rank pretty well. And I think I the screenshot of it was it was ninth. And, like, yeah, what, even bo- you- even boxing had, you know, three things of Tim Zoo in that. Like, since when has boxing been yeah. massive well, in Australia? What you got to remember is what you got to remember is Foxhill are no, no longer a financial partner of Australian rugby. They're, they're not sponsored, so they are not going to push anything they don't have a financial interest in. Yeah, but um, so who's so that, who's pushing it though? Like, there's I mean, Stan Sport's no, the only no, thing, but that's the who who was it, that, who was following Stan Sport? Like, what's Stan doing to? Well, that's the whole. Well, the theory being, I would imagine, to this the whole sponsorship agreement was yeah. with Stan Sport became came access to the. The Channel 9 network and the free-to-air, that's where it would be pushed. Now, I'm sure there would be some boffin uh, provide an argument that, yes, it's got more free-to-air time and coverage through the, the 9 network in regards to news and ads and that sort of thing. Yeah. But from a, you know, you're, 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 you're absolutely right in regards to no exposure, but I'll, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't look too much into Foxtel being your, Answer to what's exposed. I, I place, I place um, as much credibility in, in Foxtel's um, rankings as I do the Daily Telegraph's um, journalistic ability. Yeah, no, just I, put it that way. I completely because even in those other arguments, so yeah, three of them were about Paul Kent. Like you know, you don't you don't care about it, but the <laughs> but even for someone who just wants to browse any sort of platform and find out about sport, the Wallabies. My, yeah. my point was, I suppose the Wallabies isn't going to be high ranking unless it's Stan Sport, yeah. which is something yeah. that I, I suppose Stan Sport's not really ingrained in. Um, all of us no, and what we're no. watching. I don't know why somebody has a Stan Sport login unless it's for rugby. Like, you know, most people have KO these days. They just use or they'll, or they'll watch something on Channel 9. Um, yep. You know, it's just not kind of there yet. But I think that's what that rugby has sunk that low for it to get to that point because there, <laughs> because there was a time where they just that wasn't the case at all. Rugby was at the top, you know, especially like, um, like 2011, that kind of um, – when the Queensland Reds are on top with Quade Cooper and 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 Ganya and Yuani and stuff, when when all that when they were flying, rugby Australian rugby was was at the top, like it was near the top of you know this is the team that's going to be the world beater sort of thing, um, and we were yeah. challenging New Zealand and that's where it was going right, and that was a results that was that part that was results driven, but also it, they were good to watch, like the games were good to yeah. watch, whereas I was like, just the about other to night, jump in it. I was yeah, just about to it. jump in and say I was just about to jump in and say. The red team played enterprising rugby. Yeah, they played exciting, expansive uh, style rugby. That's that's what that's what gets people want to be entertained in regards to um, their sports, and that and that that's why that's a, a large reason why rugby's in such a hole in Australia is because it's boring as batshit. Yeah. The Australian sides are boring. Australia, yeah, even watch that side, and, and you can't like. I was just waiting for Plus Army to get the ball so something could happen because everyone else gets a ball, 
and there's just nothing that's really sort of going forward with the carries just sort of one out the whole time. And it's not to guess to Paisami that's like, okay, something's going to happen, which was that feeling you always got with, like you look at that, that Quade Cooper team going back to that era, like when you had James O'Connor and you had Quade Cooper and Adam Ashley Cooper, Adam Ashley Cooper and those players, like something's going to happen. There's always the thing of something really good is about to happen, um, but you don't have that with this current setup, and you haven't had it for years. There's, we've always we've had those players and in, that, in key positions where it's like, well, it's just going through the motion sort of thing. Like we went through a period that, of four years of give it to Falau. If we if we had, so I actually I actually like what Dave Rennie's done and, and the team he's picked, but if we had had Dave Rennie's mentality or this mentality five years ago. We wouldn't have been. We wouldn't be in this position we're in now. Yeah. The reason we're in this position because for the last five years, um, well, before Dave Rennie's replacement, anyway, um, after the World Cup, we've been playing to try not to lose by much. Yeah. Not to win, and and we. Oh, mate, I'll okay. I'll, I'll get my soapbox out in a minute, <laughs> but uh, mate, we we trundled out the same boring, freaking eleven or twelve players every game, and the result didn't change. Oh, we didn't get beaten by that much. That's okay. So we, we, we'd, we'd sucked any hope from the public out yeah. of potentially winning a game. Now, when you, when you go place a team that they could, you, yeah, you, perfect example, look at the, look at the Fijian test. The Fijian played, Fiji played the All Blacks on the weekend. What an exciting game of rugby that was. Now, the poor old Fijians got run over in the last sort of 20 minutes, sort of 15, yeah. 20 minutes or so. But it was a brilliant game to watch because they were they were chancing the hand. It was an exciting game of rugby because what are they going to do now? What are they going to try now? Oh, not bang, bang, hit, ball, hit, run, one ruck here, you know, left, right, left, right, keeping it tight and just, oh, look, there's a surprise we turned the ball over. Well, that's I think the, that's what happened when Tate McDermott, Tate McDermott come on. Yeah, that, that excitement. Really good and example. Same thing with Tony yeah. Otupo. Like he's, he's one of those people that probably is a household name because of – um, you know, he's so unique with a prop that makes line breaks and obviously has a bit of a ball-playing game as well. Um, and when Tate McDermott come on, is he just controls the pace of everything and just everything is just 10 times faster. But there's that rare error, um, you know, yeah. and maybe that doesn't... But it's, I mean, I think New Zealand still make those errors, but they've because they're, they're playing so fast all the time, they're more likely to score tries. And if you make the error, it's a, it's a, it's a slight slip-up, whereas we're not making much ground or doing a lot and then we make the error. I think in the first two minutes um, of the game the other night, we had a knock-on through an intercept and failed to kick the ball out from a penalty or something <laughs> like that within two minutes. And I was looking at it going like, you know, obviously my uh, cynical hat on going like, you know, another frustrating year of trying to push, you know, or trying to uh, be in love with this game from a an international level because, you know, obviously trying to grow up from a grassroots level, but um, trying to see, you know, it's it would be so much easier to grow things from a grassroots level if you look to the pinnacle team of the in the country and go, they're going amazing, let's try and emulate that. But when you're looking to them all the time when they're playing like shit, then it doesn't sort of well, go not- too well. And the first two minutes of that game was like, here we go again, it's another year of it. Well, I'm a, I'm a massive fan. I'm a massive fan of Dave Rennie, and I, I lo- I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he what he can produce with the, the side he gets. One thing we've got to do from a if we're looking from a, a Wallabies and a national point of view, one thing we've got to do we've got to get our five Super Rugby clubs all rowing in the same direction. Yeah, not not having frigging the Waratahs. Oh, we're the most important. Yeah, we're, we've been established for whatever rowing. We're going to row in this direction. Queensland row in another direction. Everyone's thinking they're the most important franchise. The most important team in the in the in Australia is the Wallabies, and 
And all the Super Rugby teams are and should look upon themselves as feeder clubs to the Wallabies. That's all they are. That's all they should be looked upon as. And until we get that mentality from the Super Rugby sides, it's going to be difficult to put a really a really competitive team out, out on the on the paddock. Yeah. And also, like you look, I'm looking at the obviously the team sheet that I've read out. Those players are obviously phenomenal, and there's no one else that's better or that's, you know, when, when I'm reading out, say Tom Wright, um, you know, the winger, who's, I think he was on the wing for Manly as well. He played for Manly Seagulls as well a few years ago. So you've Yeah, got- he, he, hang on. He, let's, we'll, uh, he, he wasn't offered a rugby contract, so he went to league. Yeah, right. And then and then all of a sudden, like, oh, he's got a league. Let's, <laughs> let's get him into rugby. <laughs> So he, I mean, he's someone that I mean. There's no one else to sort of come in and, and you know is lighting the world on fire. But we're just not seeing, and maybe because Super Rugby is not in your face as much, and and obviously other sports have have cracked the code in terms of really growing the code. I think you know league's done a, an incredible job of it, of just growing so much organically. Um, that I, I suppose I'm just well, jealous yeah. in a way that um, rugby hasn't been able to capitalise on that of what they had. Um, for various reasons, but I think that's just me getting the shits with rugby not being successful. From an international <laughs> there, there, mate. standpoint. There, there. From an international chin, standpoint. Chin, yeah, chin up, chin up, buddy. We'll be right. We'll we'll get there. Uh, we just got to uh, keep pace and Dave Brenny, and uh, we'll be right. I'll tell you one thing. I actually had a, I actually had great pleasure in uh, in filling out a survey for the New South Wales for the Waratahs when they asked me why I'd, why I was why I ceased my membership. Um, I, had, I really had a good time filling that survey out. What was your number um, one reason? Uh, they had lost absolute connection with the community. Yeah. That was the reason. That's, it, it is purely and simple as that. And I had four members. I used to pay for, pay for the, my wife and two kids, and we had a, a membership for several, well, quite a few years. And, mate, they absolutely nothing to do with the community. They have completely and utterly lost touch with who, who they're representing, and that's why I just said, I've had enough. Had nothing to do with their results. I just had enough. Fair enough. Well, even <laughs> me and my mates used to always go down and watch them just because, obviously, that was the local team. I I went for the four, so other mates went for the Brumbies. But just the whole thing of, like, we get to see, um, you know, the Sharks come over from Durban, like the South African team is coming mm. over to play, and we see Francois Stain and those sorts of players, and you're like, holy shit, how amazing is this? And you got to watch those players, you know, play in front of your face. Like, I, I don't have that thrill you know as much yeah. anymore just because uh, I, I know it's just it's just not in front of your face i think i'd I harping on the same thing over and over again but um yeah I, I think i'm hoping that you're right with the dave or anything in that this is the start of something and it's obviously not going to be a, an overnight fix and they're going to have probably some dramatic losses when they play against new zealand and um but in two three years time hopefully they can well, get back on yeah. and be really you know, competitive yeah, the beautiful thing about that team you read out, and if I'm just quickly running through off the top of my head, we won't count Matt. We won't count Hooper because he came directly from Japan. Yeah. There was one New South Wales Waratah in that starting lineup, which is Jake Gordon. Yeah. And he could quite easily argue that he shouldn't have been there. However, that is an indication that Dave Rennie's doing a good job. The New South Wales the Waratahs were absolutely appalling this year. They were just, they were they lost. Well, they didn't win a game all year. They were they were disgraceful. Previous coaches, we still would have had eight or nine bloody Waratahs in the Australian side, even though they didn't win a game. That's a good indication that Dave Rennie's doing his job and being allowed to do his job because he he hasn't just picked Waratahs because they're Waratahs. Yeah, and he the biggest message that they said pre-game was that. 
the focus was just on winning, just doing whatever you can just to win the game. Not not playing well, not doing this. They just wanted to win. The results was the biggest thing for them, and that was the uh, the driving factor. But even uh, Darcy Swain, I think you know he's a he's a young guy that come through that made his debut off the bench, and he's a guy that you look at and the way that he plays and everything about him, he's a character you can sort of get around. They're the sorts of players that you can um, that you look at and go, oh, I can I can attach myself to this guy, and he's someone who's well known. But they're just other players that just aren't that way, and I don't know if that's just a personal thing about how I feel about some people. But I just don't feel like there's—I don't feel like they cracked the code to the everyday—I don't know—supporter, everyday or um, part-time supporter of of the code yep. and trying to get them on board. I don't think they've cracked it with what they're doing. Because as I said, I'm the perfect example of someone who I hate rugby league. I hate I hate the. I hate everything about the game in terms of the way that it's played compared to rugby union. I watch it every week because I'm, yeah, I have yeah. I have an emotional investment into it because of just the 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 whole product that rugby league has that makes me want to watch the games every single week with, um, you know, from from everything of what of what is put up, what is uh put onto my feed on social media, even things that I don't follow, everything that's. Uh, even that the uh, it's constantly regularly covered on the news you find out what Latrell Mitchell's having for breakfast every single day like it's just nuts what they've got especially the super coach I know they've got this stuff with rugby but it's just not as appealing so why isn't it as appealing and there's well, there's, there's, there's a reason for there's, that there's, there's a few things mate if this wasn't COVID time I'd give you a cuddle it sounds like it's getting the better of you okay buddy I'm four beers in so hopefully things are getting better <laughs> <laughs> and and Yes, we are being flooded by uh, the media, and that or well, the rugby league is we flooded by rugby league in the media, and that's because the media are large stakeholders in the game. So for them to get a return on their investment, they have to put it in front of our face. The reason we don't get a return on our investment for the Wallabies is because their the financial investment from the media outlets is minuscule compared to the others. The reason why it's minuscule is because our rugby is shit out. We've been boring for too long. Um, when we were winning World Cups and playing exciting rugby, we were uh, very, very, very financially well off. But um, it's like anything. It's it's paid on performance and entertainment value, and our entertainment value has been poor, our performances has been poor, and as a result, the uh, media dollars has, has left as well. Well, if you want to support the Wallabies tomorrow night, they play <laughs> on 9Gem uh, in... I don't know what sort of quality you call Nine Gem, but Stan Sport does offer yeah. a free trial as well. Yeah, if you want to go on Stan, I watch. I watch it on Stan. Um, I buy I pay for Stan purely simply for the rugby. Uh, and and Rochelle, when you when you listen back to this, uh, can you give Burner a big cuddle for me, please? <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about that. it. He's a bit, bit, bit grumpy. You're right, pal. You'll be right. <laughs> so, Burner, let's get on the happier things, pal. You with might, me? Yeah, we might need to. <laughs> Let's talk about nicknames. You can't beat a good nickname. And the more obscure and the stranger nickname, the better it is, I believe. I agree. Any, with any you. good nicknames? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll come back to you with some of your nicknames, but please tell me you were called Blue at some stage. No, I actually avoided the Bluey thing, actually. Ne- never got Bluey. No, I never got Bluey. We're going to change that. Listeners, if you see Bluey, you're not going to see anyone for a while. I've, got, I've got Red. They never went for the Bluey, just Red. <laughs> That was the whole thing. I think they beat well, around. The, I think they beat around the bush, <laughs> or maybe being raised in uh, uh, Brisbane water grammar. Um, you minor grammar, sorry. Maybe they. 
maybe they couldn't come up with that sort of um they, they, sort of humor. They didn't get irony. They no, didn't they, they, didn't, they didn't understand it at all. I didn't know. I don't understand irony myself. Is that the right word? <laughs> oh, I, saw, right I said humor. humor? F- I said humor first of all. But yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, the best thing about it is none of our listeners are going to be smart enough to know the difference of irony. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> probably we'll should cut that out. Uh, or leave it in. Whatever, too. Leave it in. Uh, so, mate, I've got to. I've got to. I just started to jot down a few nicknames. Um, that uh, that I either played with or, or knew of. Uh, you ready? Yep, share them. Uh, one thing I've always enjoyed uh, played uh, well, a guy who was in the club. His nickname was Bruce of Loxley. Why was he Bruce of Loxley? <laughs> his name was Bruce Loxley. <laughs> 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 we weren't smart enough to call him Robin Hood or something like that, or, or you know. <laughs> So, uh, Bruce of Lock- Bruce of Lockley was his nickname. Anyway, oh, you, he's, a good fella. <laughs> he's a good fella. Uh, he was, I, I know a bloke called Bucket. Bucket, yeah. Not to talk, yeah. Not allowed to talk about his nickname, though. Yeah, well, you're, um, not allowed, you're not allowed to talk about the reason why he's called Buckets. No, no, correct. Uh, so then I started going through uh, with uh, a guy called The Gate because uh, that was his. Um, that was his defensive structure. It was like a gate. It was always open. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, then we go into oh, aggro, cranky, empty head. Um, <laughs> empty head. Empty head, yeah. Uh, so that's that's going out. out of the way because that's quite long to say. Empty head's three <laughs> syllables. That's quite long. That you, Usually your nickname's going to be two. Three syllables is... Yeah. That's, that's, hard. Well, that's hard to take. Tough pill to swallow, though. There's... Uh, uh, blokes before my time, the old bloke, his nickname's is Cat Piss. Um, Puff Lung. Puff Lung. Uh, he's dead now. He's dead now, this bloke. There's a guy called Blotter, and he's dead. But um, he, he, he's, And then his brother's nickname was Ink. So it was Ink and Blotter. Uh, who else did I play? I played with a boner. Um, Nad. How good, are, how good is a good nickname? But even it, there's even some nicknames I'm thinking of, and I've got no idea where they come from. Um, mm. so there's, I think it's actually a good thing we'll reach out to the listeners because even, even listeners will call, um, or, or the players obviously have nicknames for other people in their, in the team. There's very rarely that you will call someone by their, their first name, um, especially around the rugby culture and especially when you're, mm. uh, when you're on the field and you've got to yell something out fast. So it usually comes yeah. to one sort of thing. Um, it might, it'd be interesting actually. We might throw that question out to listeners and see what they've, um, See what nicknames they've got, or the, or they they call their mates and the reasons why. Um, yeah, they, and they've got to be got to be a good story behind it too, eh? Because you met, when you introduce somebody and you know just say if it's is Blotter, you're introducing me like, hey mate, it's Blotter. It's like why? Like how did you get to that name? That's the <laughs> that's the best part about it is um is actually how the story behind that name because it can take one wrong night and that name yeah. is with you forever. Oh, like one 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 wrong night. Let's say the, the Terrigal Hotel, and yeah. then your nickname your nickname could be Bucket for the next twenty odd years. You know, <laughs> it's just, mate, it's just oh, one of the one of the beautiful things about being Australian, isn't it? Love it. <laughs> All right, we'll put the we'll put the Q and A out there. If you can get out there yeah, and let us know, get us let us uh, let us in on some some good nicknames.
Right, Barthy, it's that time of the week again where we are going to announce our weekly winner. Um, as always, guys, uh, tag us and anything on the socials. I know it's a little bit harder with game day not on and training not on. Uh, a bit harder for content, but get creative with what you got and tag us and anything that you possibly yeah. can think of, even what you're doing in isolation to, to keep fit uh, or anything funny that uh, is probably going to come up in the next 30 seconds or so. Barthy, you've got the uh, the barrel there. I do have the oop, I do have the barrel here, mate. I don't know if you can hear it very well, but here we go. I'll start. I'll, I'll start to give her a bit of a spin. All right, here we go. It's a very thin barrel this week. Yeah, the 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 winner is B H Landscape and Design, who just posted a fantastic one. We we reshared it uh, on today, Monday on Monday on our socials of one uh, Logan Campbell, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, helping with deconstructing a fence, if you will. Yeah, he's um, using his shoulders to good work to, uh, to <laughs> remove the fence paling. So if you need any fences removed as well, uh, BH Landscapes and Design are your people for that. Uh, Logan's right shoulder and can use a left shoulder as well. Uh, obviously well-versed in that. Uh, congratulations, <laughs> BH Landscapes <laughs> and Design. Uh, get in contact with us. And uh, if you need any fences removed, contact them as well. Well, old mate, I reckon that'll about do it. I think we have crapped on for far too long. Uh, listeners, if you're still with us, thank you very much. And a way, and a way, and a way of thanking you for our or for your loyal listenership. Uh, keep an eye on our socials during the week. I think I might give away a little bit of a, a little bit of a hint of some really exciting uh, opportunities. Let's just say we're going to extend to our listeners uh, coming up. What do you reckon, Bernard? Yeah, I think there's going to be three versions of this opportunity as well, uh, from what I'm hearing yep. from different parts of the coast. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. There's a bit of a hint on last week's episode as to that's what it exactly would be as well. Indeed, indeed. It's, it's exciting times. I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. And also, uh, as always, we'll, we'll give you guys a competition update uh, as soon as we know any more information regarding what's <laughs> happening uh, or when. I can give you... I- I can give you a competition update. Sorry, mate. I'll give you a competition update. Thanks to Gus and the team at Aaron of the Dietary. <laughs> <laughs> there's no competition at the moment, brother. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. So as soon as we know something official, obviously, we don't want to just come on here and just tell you the um, the latest stuff because we all know that it's off until further notice. So as soon as we get something yeah. concrete um, that's not just sort of week to week, but um, as we know, the games aren't officially um, called off Uh Next weekend, but I'm I'm sure they probably would be. Um, well, the, I was sorry, mate. I was yeah. going to say when, when when there is some definitive word on either decisions, we will bring them to you first straight away as soon as we, as soon as we know. But the, I don't think there's too much point in uh, perpetuating uh, maybes or could dos. I think we'll just wait until we get absolute clear direction because so as we, as we've known, so many things can change and. There's no point saying this may happen because it may not. Yeah, and we'll get obviously get Larry or Kate on uh, to explain any decisions that the that CCR you have made uh, throughout the time. So we'll do that in the coming weeks as well. And I think next week we're going to get some people on as well to um, to take on our BNB Type Five. Some listeners Ooh, yeah. who were listening Let's, last year were, were keen on that, or they they would know about that. Uh, we I don't think we've yeah, done let's... a B&B Type Five this year, have we? No, we haven't. No, we haven't done Type Five for a while. Let's get a few on. Let's, let's rattle off three or four Type Fives. 
Yeah, let's do that it. That could be good, eh? Yeah, that'll be next week's episode. A, a couple of people have said that they want to hear, you know, players and, and coaches, etc. No one has written about managers yet, which is a fair point. Um, no, it's funny that. Yeah. What about? I wonder what. What about award-winning border boys? Has anyone mentioned them? Uh, I don't think so. No. No. So no, there's a reason for that because they don't exist. Anyway, <laughs> um, what what I'll do? Uh, I'm going to throw it out there to our listeners. If you would like us to do a tight five with someone in your club. Uh, send us through that information through our socials and ideally their contact details if you have them and we'll give them a buzz and do the type five with them. <laughs> Just for the people <laughs> listening for the first time, the type five, what Bath is referring to is a set of questions. There's five questions that we call because um, <laughs> that could have come across really weird the first time oh, listeners. Oh, but oh, either way, if you're, in, if you're interested you in myself or Barthy <laughs> doing a type five with you, um, well. then... Let us know. Get in contact. We are in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.